Welcome to Lawyer Up. I'm John Gonzalez. I'm here with my law partner, Jack Dorora. And uh, we're lawyers with the Hall Law Group in Columbus, Ohio. Hey, Jack, uh, did you know that Columbus was recognized as one of the most LGBTQ-friendly cities in the United States? You know, I can't say I recall that, although I try to keep abreast of the news. And if that's true and I missed it, shame on me. You may have been reading um, at the time the Supreme Court case uh, regarding the uh, LGBTQ um, rights. Um, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about that case? That was a big deal. It was last year the Supreme Court ruled that LGBTQ rights are protected, at least in the employment arena, by virtue of the Civil Rights Act of 1964. And what made the ruling significant is that those words LGBTQ don't appear in that case because, of course, in 1964, people weren't talking in that way. But the word sex was in there. And I think that allowed the Supreme Court to uh, rule the way it did. Our guest today probably has some opinions about that uh, case and uh, the uh, LGBTQ community, and I certainly have some questions for him, uh, being somebody that does not have a lot of experience with that community other than an occasional uh, client or a friend of a friend. I probably have some pretty uh, basic questions, but his name is Denzel Porteous, Executive Director of Stonewall Columbus. If I understand your um, your uh, organization, uh, you increase the visibility of the LGBT community, excuse me, GLBT community. <laughs> Wonderful. I, actually, uh, Jack and John, uh, John, thank you so much for having me this uh, this afternoon. I'm glad to be here. And you can say it either way. I think it's an evolution, right? I think uh, identity is an evolution, language is an evolution, and uh, the way that the community has described itself has evolved over the years. Um, I think at one point in time, we were just the gay community. And then it became gay and lesbian. Uh, then it became lesbian, gay, bisexual. Then it became uh, lesbian, gay, bisexual, queer. Lesbian, gay, bisexual, trans. So I think as, as we understand identity and are able to be more inclusive in it, uh, we want to make sure that language matches and meets people where they are. So I have seen it different ways. Um, I've seen it uh, GLBT, GLBTQ, and the Q being for questioning or or queer. And then I've seen it GLBTQ plus, and maybe you can tell me what the plus is because that's the one I can't figure yeah, out. Yeah, so you know, I think it, it, again, it references the the, the identity of, of politics, and and plus sort of um, saying that we are beyond a binary or any sort of linear thought. So, um, lesbian, gay, bisexual, trans, queer, sometimes questioning, but also oftentimes queer, uh, intersex, uh, and then plus, uh, you know, uh, uh, asexual, pansexual. Um, there are other identities within the queer spectrum, um, ultimately, that uh, that all live in that space. Um, you know, and I think it, it really becomes this notion of reclaiming language. Uh, for so long, queer had been a pejorative term uh, to identify a, a, what people then saw as a subset population of humanity. Um, but what we are saying is that queer is really an umbrella term uh, for identity uh, that, that, again, goes beyond the binary. Thanks for the explanation. Let's go back to Bostick. Yeah. I think the casual observer would read that decision. I shouldn't say read the decision. No citizens read those decisions. <laughs> Here's about the decision and says, problem solved. Yeah, yeah. How do you respond to that? Problem not solved. Uh, small steps uh, lead to big things. Uh, and I think if we think back even 
two to three years before that when we had uh, the Supreme Court case ruling with marriage equality, um, Jim Obergefell and, and our named plaintiff, uh, E.D. Windsor, um, that was a small step to, to lead to this next step. Um, th the reality is that uh, total protection may sort of seem seemingly be there uh, in terms of the Equality Act of 1964 uh, with last year's Bostock ruling. Uh, but what we are still seeing is that discrimination and uh, oppressive acts are still going to be sustained. Um, what we are asking uh, and looking and hoping for is that the Equality Act, uh, which uh, the Equality Act has been uh, in legislation or, or tried to be passed a couple of times before, uh, but now there's a new Equality Act that's actually been passed in the House and now sitting on the Senate to, to review. Uh, the Equality Act really looks at a, a, a more comprehensive protection for LGBT community that is explicit um, in its protections uh, and that also, again, uh, is a sweeping uh, legislation that would look at uh, ruling at a national uh, level, not just a local level, um, as currently each state has to determine what, what those rights are. Without having looked at it, I'm willing yeah. to bet lunch that that thing is two or 300 pages long. So forget about the text. Why don't you give us some sound bites? What's in there that's of interest to you? In the Equality Act? Yes, sir. Um, it, it, it fully is just stating that LGBTQ identities, queer identities, are, are equal and protected. Um, it, uh, it speaks to anti-discrimination legislation um, to ensure that in the workplace, in housing, um, in all standards of living, that we are seen as equal um, uh, and coexisting uh, as our cis straight uh, counterparts in the world. You said something that catches, it caught me, and it said, treat it equally. Why is it so hard to get there? Why don't people just say, I don't care about the person's sexuality, the person's a human being, that's the end of the discussion? I, I, I wish that, uh, that everyone asked themselves that question that simply um, because ultimately the easy response is, well, yes, we're human, so therefore we should be seen as equal, we should be treated. Uh, with humanity and justice um, as every, everyone else. But I think as a, as a society, um, we have long understood and, and been taught differently from each other. Um, so some people have been taught uh, that uh, loving uh, someone one way is okay and loving someone another way is not okay. Um, we've been taught uh, since uh, birth um, that uh, the color of someone's skin for some people is okay and the color of their skin for others is not okay. So I think it, it, it becomes an unteaching of what we have been taught uh, in order for us to move forward to see each other as humans and humans first. Uh, so I, I, don't, I don't know what that solution is and how we get there, um, you know, but I think it, 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 it takes time. Um, it takes grace and patience uh, for people to understand uh, that, again, things that we learned when we were younger uh, may need to be retaught re -taught to us as we get older. I like that reference to grace. That's an important and powerful word. So if you're talking to somebody who just doesn't get it and doesn't think that the queer community should be afforded the same rights as a couple of old white guys, how do you approach that person? With grace and an open heart, you know it was interesting today. Um, I, I live in a in a wonderful neighborhood, uh, Victorian Village, and I, and I love where I live. And I remember moving in on the day that I moved in. I knocked on. My, I'm actually. Well, I should back up and also say I'm the only black person on the street uh, where I live in Victorian Village. Um, uh, and uh, I remember moving in that day, and people were probably surprised. And I knocked on my neighbor's door uh, to ask for assistance, and no one answered. Um, and maybe three minutes later, four minutes later, I saw someone come out of their home. And I was surprised because I knew I knocked on the door and I was sure that someone was there and I was just shocked that no one would answer. 
Um, and uh, the neighbor across the street uh, who, by all uh, instances, someone would say that person might be racist or you shouldn't ask them for any assistance. You know, they've got a Confederate flag in their window. Um, you know, their car says uh, Blue Lives Matter. Um, but that person was the one who showed me grace that day when I moved in. That individual was the one that came over and helped me move in and asked if I needed anything and an assistance. And so it was surprising to me in that particular moment um, that uh, as humans, uh, we would have probably closed off to my neighbor across the street first versus my neighbor next to me who had no sign, no nothing that said they would not be accepting or welcoming in that moment. You know, so so I always approach people in that particular space and in, 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 uh, in sort of stance, right? Like I want to open my heart to you with grace until you demonstrate to me that there is no grace that you have for me. Uh, my neighbor across the street is probably one of the most loving people that I have been able to witness in my community. Um, we I, I've seen as drunk people have knocked on his door at two and three o'clock in the morning and he said, how can I help you? Where do you need to go? Um, you know, he stated very clearly, if you enter my home, that would be a different story. But before you enter, what can I do to, to help you get to where you need to be? And that was beautiful to me um, because I'm sure that other people would have thought that he would have interacted with that individual differently, that he would have done something different. But he is always there. He's mowing, mowing our lawns. He's shoveling our snow. So I, I think it, to me, it always comes back to that, that opportunity for us as humans to, to look for that space of commonality uh, when we meet someone, to open our hearts with grace first and foremost. And then, and then once they don't show you um, their capacity to, to, to learn or want to understand who you are, then you have an opportunity to step back and say, maybe this is not the person I want to engage with. Um, my neighbor to the left of me still has not been the most gracious, uh, you know, but, uh, but my heart is still open. Um, you know, I still, I still have space for them because they, they're, they're beautiful things that they probably bring to our humanity. Um, I just don't need to overextend myself to them. On a um, broader level, when we look at the community we're talking about, uh, we see gay, lesbian, bisexual. To me, that's obviously sexual preference, but the transgender isn't a sexual preference. It's an identity um, that you're dealing with. Grouping all of those together, is that better for the community or does it distract from the community? Because I'm assuming there's somewhat of a different issue for transgender than it might be for, for gay or, or mm -hmm. lesbians. Mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting. So I think the evolution of language um, has, has taught us not to, to consider um, sexuality as a preference. Um, uh, I didn't wake up today just preferring to want to be with men. That that that's that's where my heart is. That's who I've always loved. Um, and while I sit, and while I personally sit on sort of a spectrum of love and f believing that you can fall in love with anyone along that binary that we have created of of male, female, man, woman, um, you know, I, I think uh, sexuality is not a preference. It's innate in who you are. And so I think it is a similar and same space when we talk about the transgender identities. Um, it, is, it, it is innate in who they are and who they've always been. Um, they, they were physically born uh, in, a, in a vessel that didn't represent their internal space and who they, they felt they are. And so I think as, as we um, in humanity and, 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 and wonderful, beautiful people who can create and use science to help us uh, live fully who we want to be, um, that opportunity for science to be able to help someone uh, on the inside uh, really represent that on the outside is, is a beautiful moment. So, so I think it, it, it's not it's not a notion of preference. It really is a continuation of of finding self and identity. Um, you know, so 
someone who is gay or lesbian, bisexual, or along that that spectrum is, it's not a preference. That's who they've always been. And so someone who is trans um, is also someone who's always just trying to be who they've always been. I'm thinking about the transgender um, people. Uh, it seems to me that um, acceptance and equal rights is a little bit of a different issue because uh, a gay man, uh, let's take you know sports, um, can compete with other men, and uh, nobody's going to notice much of a difference, according to some um, uh, commentary. But a transgender. Uh, person who was uh, born male and then uh, identifies female, well, that's a different story. They may have an actual um, uh, God-given ability that's different because they were born male. And so, it, again, it seems to me there's a little bit of a different, um, I don't know what we, what we would call that, Jack, a little bit of a different focus or concern that, um, that I guess I see as having some legitimacy. How do you answer those uh, concerns? You know, it's, it's interesting because, um, uh, and I don't, I don't like to step into the space of religion oftentimes when we talk about uh, sexuality and identity and, 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 and these things, but, but I think uh, as humans, we have tried to uh, step into that space uh, of, of creation, of, of changing, uh, of sort of helping, uh, I, I don't want to say helping God along, but maybe that's what it is. I don't, I don't really know. I'm not, again, I'm, I'm not in that space, but, but I think if, if we have an opportunity um, and we understand science to the ability that we do to be able to help someone match internally, externally who they are, that's what we've always done. It's like someone who says, my hair is no longer gray and they, they dye it whatever color. Um, you are, you are, you're going against the, the, the natural essence of who you are, I guess, to say, I'm going to color my hair now, because although we all know it, it really is gray under there, or, or, or if you're bald and right, and you decide to, to enhance that with, with whatever it is, we know you're, going, you're sort of going against that natural evolution of self. Um, and, and I think in this particular space, um, when, we, when we think about um, identity uh, as self and science, um, it, it it is once again allowing us as humans uh, to to live to the space that we want to live, to be seen how we want to be seen. And so, if internally someone is it feels that's who they are, then we want the science to match, um, or the science to be able to help us match. And I think if we go even further, we understand um, that those who choose to um, take hormones uh, in in that process of uh, aligning their mental and physical self. Um, it, it does also change you. Um, science uh, un helps us understand that uh, these things do literally change. You take a pill, it changes your internal whatever it is. You you get a shot, it, it can uh, uh, balance your your hormones in different places. You you go into the doctor, you get a a new bone in your leg, it changes your ability and strength there. So I think in the same space, it is it is to say. Um, you know, that uh, when someone is transitioning uh, uh, biologically with science from male to female or female to male, and they choose to use science in terms of hormones, then it will literally change the physicality of their body. Um, you know, uh, 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 men, uh, uh, tissue will change uh, physically uh, in terms of just the structure of, of how their muscles are defined and where their muscles are and how they gain weight and where weight comes in. Women, if women are going from, uh, you know, if someone born uh, 
Female is going and changing and transitioning to male, and they take testosterone. Uh, the same sort of space happens. They're, they start to grow hair in places, you know, the mustache and, and facial hair and, 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 uh, and, and arm muscles and, and leg muscles all change. And so, so the, the notion of sort of uh, physical benefit um, to, to, to that evolution of self is, is not necessarily uh, sort of true from a scientific space. Um, it, it, it says in a scientific space that if you are using uh, testosterone in medicine uh, to, to, again, align to the identity that you feel inside, um, all of these external things will also support that you're transitioning to that same space as someone who was born that way. Well, I like the way you characterize that or treat it, but I'm thinking that what Gonzo is, is mm -hmm. getting to is trans people have another another challenge that maybe gay people don't have. Mm. In that, gay people, you can be a gay football player in the mm. NFL, it's not a big deal. If you're a trans woman, you've got a challenge mm -hmm. that that gay male football player doesn't have in that you are now told that you're competing unfairly. And even Caitlyn Jenner came out and said, yeah, trans women have an advantage. Now, I don't know if Caitlyn Jenner is speaking intuitively or based on science, but the point is there's a whole new challenge there. It's interesting because I don't, I don't know that I would compare the two. Okay. Um, uh, I, I think as a, as a, a, we, and we've seen gay football players who have come out um, uh, after the fact mm -hmm. uh, because they understood that if they came out during their time in, mm -hmm. in, in the profession, they probably would have been ostracized or kicked out. And those who have come out after the fact uh, and still continue to seek to play football have not been able to uh, because no team wants to, to, to hire them. Um, so I think, th so th if I'm looking at the two as sort of um, uh, stories within a, within a storybook, um, you know, uh, uh, a, a, a gay male identity um, playing sports can choose not to speak up or say something about it. Um, a, 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 a trans female who has now become a male and wants to play football um, in the state in which we live has less opportunity not to speak about that transition. They are forced to sort of speak up about it. Um, uh, and that's because the world um, visually sees a representation of something that they question and therefore then have questions about um, and therefore then feel uncomfortable uh, once they know the truth or reality of a thing. Um, so that's how I see the, the two. Um, I, I, again, for me, it, there's, there, is, there is no scientific basis that genetically, um, uh, again, a, a, a trans man, so again, someone who was born female and becomes male, would have a benefit playing football against others. In, how, about, in, how about the reverse? What's Because now we're seeing that it was mm -hmm. trans woman track athlete yeah. being yeah. criticized because she yeah. had attributes that one would normally attribute only to men. Yeah. Now, my first yeah. thought is, yeah, I get that on an intuitive level, but yeah. is the criticism intuitive or is yeah. there science that backs that up? Is that person really different? Yeah, and and that's that's probably more intuitive than nothing, right? Again, science has science has actually shown us that when someone begins a regimen of of hormones, um, estrogen in this particular space, um, that their 
that their literal body begins to change. And so whatever perception of advantages may have been seen are, are no longer there. Um, I, I think it's, it's sort of like saying um, uh, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a rudimentary way, um, if you have a very tall, slender, six foot five, uh, born female athlete, right, who is out there kicking butt, uh, doing really great things, and then all of a sudden there is a now a, a, a trans, uh, so again, someone who was born male to female athlete with comparable size and stature, I am not going to think that the individual who was born one way is going to have more advantage over the other. I'm going to look at them and say, well, comparably you're the same, and so let's see who wins. Um, I mean, I think that's ultimately ultimately it, right? Like, so it, it, it is sort of us saying, well, now let's go and find every uh, person who was born male or female and who seems to be bigger or larger within that particular subset or smaller in that group even and say, whoa, let, that, I mean, again, that that's sort of how we're, we're looking at it. And so that to me doesn't sort of equate any sense. Um, but, you know. Well, you've, thought long and hard about this, and I, I think one of the uh, problems for uh, people, um, and I'll loop, lump myself into that, that um, that just starts to think about these things in the recent years is when you have somebody like Caitlyn Jenner, who as Bruce Jenner won the Olympics in 1976 when I was 16 years old and track was everything to me, he was my hero the greatest athlete in the world. He is, uh, she, now Caitlyn Jenner, is uh, trying to be or has become a spokeswoman for transgender. And um, I think that's the comparison people are making. You know, it's, it's this world athlete as a man who is now a female saying, you know, treat me the same. Um, and it's hard to get there. Uh, a subset yeah. of that, uh, Denzel, is is she a spokesperson? Is she um, helping the cause or hurting the cause as far as uh, you can tell? You know, it, it's it's uh, there's there's so much there about Caitlyn Jenner who, who who I have the utmost respect for because I will first and foremost say at whatever point in your journey you feel you can step out into the world in your full truth, that's amazing whatever point in your journey, whatever that is. And so I, I, like that is, that's amazing. And, and to think that it took Caitlin all of this time to get there, that says something not only about our society in which Caitlin was coming up in, uh, but also something about Caitlin that was probably, again, pressed upon her by the society in which she was coming up in. Um, you know, I, so, so I acknowledge uh, that sort of grace and in, in, in what that took. I, you know, I think it's, it's um, it's a yes and a no to the question, right? I mean, I think I respect and appreciate that that Caitlin uh, is speaking up for the things in which she believes, and she should, as we all should. Um, uh, do I agree with everything that Caitlin says? Do the, does does the LGBT community agree with everything that Caitlin says? Probably not, but n not everybody believe, uh, believes and agrees with the things that I say, or you know. So I mean, I mean, you know. It, Caitlin has the opportunity to to speak her own mind and her own voice and do what she needs to do. Now, from a from a sort of um, a, a microcosm of space, or maybe a, a not even a microcosm of space, actually, probably a a, a greater nexus of 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 uh, identity existence. 
Do I believe that there's positivity in representation? Yes. Uh, do I believe that there's positivity in, in, in Caitlin saying, I am so proud to be able to live my truth? Yes. Um, does Caitlin have a certain level of um, privilege? Uh, yes. Um, do we need to rem remind ourselves of that? Yes. But again, what Caitlin is doing to me um, is showing dip different types of representation of the trans community. That's important. So again, whether people fully agree with all of the things that Caitlin says or, or does, we are showing representation and representation matters, you know, because at the same time I look and say, well, you know, we've got our first um, uh, out trans assistant secretary of health uh, that was named this year. Um, and of course, why am I just completely blanking on? And, you know, I, I brought my pieces of paper to remind myself um, of it. Um, Rachel Levine. Right. So Rachel Levine, right, under the Biden administration, first out trans assistant secretary of, of health. And that's exciting. Right. And so two different forms of representation. I have no interest in running and in, in, in ever being in politics. I'm not a trans person. But but there may be a trans person out there who's saying, wow, look, there's representation now that I can I can see it. Right. Like it, it as I grew up as a black as a black person. Right. Like I often only saw representations of white gay folks, oftentimes white gay men. So I just didn't see representations of me. And so I didn't see representations of me in spaces of power or or in spaces of, of politics or in spaces of ownership. And so I never thought I could. And so once I started seeing those moments of representation of myself, then I thought, oh, I, I can. OK, let me let me try. So I think when I think about, you know, Caitlyn Jenner and the space that she's in and what she's doing, again, we may not all agree. But there's someone somewhere that is inspired to step out and be their full selves because Caitlin was inspired to do the same. So I think that that to me means something. You know, these uh, states that um, want to ban transgender from from athletics. Um, uh, it reminds me a little bit when you think about how do you regulate that if that happened. Um, when I played um, youth baseball. And sometimes there was a kid on the other team that looked older and was better than everybody, and everybody wanted to see <laughs> their birth certificate. You know, are you really 13? And, and that has been a big deal over yeah. the years. So now yeah. you've got a girl who is bigger and stronger and maybe more defined than, than you would be at age 15 or 16. Do they have to go undergo some type of testing i mean how do you how would you ever and again regulate I think, that? and i think and that was sort of the comparison to draw earlier right mm -hmm. like I, I i i grew up in a family of women and these are like these are women right like they they are they they i would be afraid to fight against them right because i know that they could probably literally pick me up and throw me across the room right and so I don't know that I would ever go up to one of them and say, I need to see, like, are, are you sure? Like that, you know what I mean? Yeah, so again, right, we, right. We, we, so, uh, so it's sort of the same thing. However, again, going back to, to, to the science of it all, you know, when, when a young person, again, acknowledges their full self at an earlier age, science steps in, 
or we can allow science to step in and be a part of that process, right? And so part of that process means, okay, when you are younger and understanding who you are and you're in, 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 you're in these spaces, then science means whether it's figuring out how um, uh, we are ensuring that uh, we are giving the amount, uh, right amount of estrogen or testosterone or whatever it is to that individual who is, who is wanting to live as who they feel they are inside. And so by the time that they're going into actual sports in, in high school and college and so forth, it act, again, it negligible in terms of what people are thinking about of difference. Now, n now if we use Caitlyn Jenner as an example, right, and, and this is a moment, right, so I'm just using this as a momentary example, if, if Caitlyn Jenner as Bruce in the middle of the Olympics, right, one day woke up and said, I'm gonna begin this process of change, right? Then, then someone might say, okay, wait, there, there may be an unfair advantage in this moment, right? In this moment, again, the science of it, in this moment, in the science of it, right? Because then we, now we have to make sure that you are looking at different sort of classes of, of, of competition, right? So if you have, right, going to wrestling, right? If we have more and more women in wrestling these days, and I, which I think is pretty awesome, right? But like my, my nephew was a wrestler. Uh, my nephew might abandon it, you know, in 150, pound weight class in wrestling, they were not gonna have him wrestle against someone who is in a 250 pound weight class, right? So in athletics, when we think about these things, if we are comparing and, and, and being comparable, we're not going to say, right, oh, your your capacity at this thing is so amazing and we're gonna like have you stack up to other people who are not in that space. We, I mean, we, we literally do that in athletics. I mean, that's why there's, there's testing for, you know, uh, other drug use for enhancing body things, right? Because we are in that athletic space so concerned about someone having an unfair advantage over someone else. But the difference is always science and recognizable differences that we all agree on. Correct. Let's switch gears here just Correct. a little because right. we're talking about athletics. Yeah. Let's talk about, and kids, yeah. I really wanna focus on kids. Let's talk about some of the more troubling things that we're seeing. For instance, our friends in the great states of Arkansas and Tennessee have passed legislation that bans transgender youth treatment. Now, I don't mean to pass judgment on whether youths should be subject to transgender treatment, but I know one thing with the greatest of certainty, I sure as hell don't want legislatures making those decisions. <laughs> I want parents and doctors making those decisions. Mm -hmm. What in the world is going on in the state of Tennessee and the state of Ten Arkansas? Um, uh, you know, I always say you don't know what you don't know until you know it. Um, and you also have to be open uh, to whatever it is that you need to know. And I think uh, in those states, uh, they don't know what they don't know, um, and they but they need to know it, and they're just not quite open to hearing. You know, I, I agree. I, I don't think that it is it is our legislators' right and or responsibility to be parenting our kids um, in in this particular space. Um, you know, because if that's the case, um, then I hopefully in these states they're also passing uh, laws that are saying you can't have conversion therapy, right? Like you cannot tell me that our kids are, you know, not who they say they are, and they've got to, you know, have some, some a gay conversion therapy going on. So, so I think if, if, if we're going to stand on one, then you got to, you got to do the, the, the same for the other. 
Um, but I think ultimately, again, to me, it's it's you don't know what you don't know until you know it. And I, and I think um, these folks are also not open to, to hearing and learning um, new and, and uh, not not new and different things, but reality. Um, you know, who, who knows what they were taught when they were younger? Um, and, and that's something and on teaching people. And uh, that's that's difficult work. Right. This is not just about passing laws and legislation. It helps. But that's this is changing hearts and minds. And that work is difficult work. That is that is the hard work that we really have to be doing. Um, and uh, and that will take a lot of time. You know, what was really interesting about the Arkansas legislation is that the governor vetoed it. Now, nobody's ever accused Asa Hutchinson, if I'm saying it correctly, <laughs> right. of being liberal or open minded. But even he said, hey, folks, this is a bridge too far. This mm. isn't where we're supposed to be. Mm. And the legislature said, nuts on you. We're going to override right. the veto. Right. I was shocked. Right. Right. Well, you know, my comment earlier about uh, whether the transgender um, uh, people, the issues they have hijacked your movement. I mean, that's there's so much to talk about there. But one of the things that I imagine that children um, who are gay uh, – lesbian, bisexual, transgender, I, I can't imagine the harassment or the bullying that they go through. Um, is it more prevalent as my, you know, I, I would think it would be? You know, it's interesting because I, I think transgender identities are at the center of uh, the gay, queer, lesbian liberation movement, at, at, at the center of lots of movement. And, and I say that because um, as, as someone who is lesbian, gay, bisexual, pansexual, all of these other identities, you can choose whether or not you can sometimes speak out about things, right? Like I could walk into a room and and take on a persona that straddles a binary of, of whatever. Um, I, I think as a trans identity, oftentimes you, again, are not allowed to do that. And so trans identities were the first ones to really start fighting back um, uh, for to, to live openly as who they are and, and who they should always be. You know, when I think about Stonewall and I think about Compton Cafeteria and all of these these protests that, that began, you know, in the 50s and in 1969, in particular for Stonewall, the one that we all we all think about is like the, 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 the catalyst for the LGBT civil rights movement. Um, these were all led by trans identities, right? Because, because again, these were identities who were the most oppressed, the most held back the most told that they can't be who they want to be. So I don't I, I don't ever see it as, a, uh, to me, it's not a hijacking, it's actually a recentering or a centering of. Mm -hmm. um, what we have often done within movements um, is, is held on to the things that are most palpable to our community and then gone back, right? So we held on to uh, gay men first, gay white men first, because that was the most palpable to help us get something move, move forward. And then as things have evolved and changed, as people have screamed louder and said, we, we, we are part of this movement, don't forget us. Um, I think we are in this space of recentering and understanding that at, at the heart, um, our trans community, our black trans community have always been uh, the most oppressed and the most disenfranchised in this movement and have also been the leaders of pride and change in, in this particular time. Let me bring you back yeah. to what I think was yep. part of Gonzo's question, and that is how are, what's it like to be a middle schooler or a high schooler and you are questioning your identity 
What's the bullying and harassment like for these for these young kids, and what are they going through? Yeah, you know, I, I, it's 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 not changed. Um, I think bullying and harassing has always been a part of 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 what uh, queer identities have experienced, but a lot of other identities as well. Um, but I think, if anything, what I have seen is that it's become um, uh, more explicit or outward, right? So that we we have become uh, a society where it is okay. Uh, to to be mean and hurtful uh, towards uh, others who are different from a quote unquote majority, um, or just different, um, and I and I think what we see um, is that that there has been an extra level of targeting uh, at queer identities because of you know what we see out in the media in terms of legislation that's being passed in in these different communities in these different places, so therefore then it impacts our young our young people even even more even deeper. Um, I, I think uh, the bullying uh, and and uh, then of course also leads to increased rates of suicide uh, in the LGBTQ community. Um, the highest rates of suicide among young people are in the LGBTQ community um, because they're not able to live and be their full selves, um, but because of bullying on top of that. Um, so, you know, because they're, you know, especially if you're a trans identity, you're you're being told that what you're saying about yourself is wrong, so you're wrong, so therefore you, you shouldn't be a part of this world. So, you, so all of these compounded things, um, I think, ha has made um, uh, even the progress that we've seen in terms of uh, more celebrities being public and out. Um, it, it has still compounded um, uh, a lot of our, our LGBTQ youth committing suicide because of just, again, the increased bullying. Um, and that's, I, I don't know what rhetoric, rhetoric is happening within our society and why people think these things are okay to be mean to people, um, but, but it's happening more and more. Um, and that, that's, that's, a sad, that's a sad reality, um, and I, I, I wish it weren't. Denzel, tell us about Stonewall Columbus, please. Yeah. So Stonewall Columbus has been around for 40 years now. We actually are celebrating our 40th anniversary this September. Um, and I serve as executive director at Stonewall. Um, what we have long tried to do um, is to really be the, the, the center of um, LGBTQ community uh, and work here in Columbus and across the central Ohio region. Um, uh, we produce and uh, put on our annual uh, Columbus Pride March and events uh, each year. Uh, for the last few years, we've of course not had to have those because of COVID. Um, but then uh, outside of that, we also put on uh, sort of what I like to call evolving and rotating programming. So we try to um, be as flexible or in the moment as we can uh, to responsive to community needs um, uh, in relation to what our community social service needs are or what their identity needs are um, and educational needs may be. Um, as we sort of continue in our, in our 40th year, I think what we're working to do is be a little bit more intentional about some of that work, um, to really focus and center it more on those who are most underserved or underrepresented within the LGBTQI community, um, so that we can ensure that, as our mission says, so that we see an Ohio where all of us thrive. Um, uh, we have been so privileged uh, for the last 40 years to be able to help um, some of the, the the strongest and most well-known LGBTQ organizations across Central Ohio uh, come into existence. Um, Bravo, for example, which is the Buckeye Region Anti-Violence Organization, um, Bravo Buckeye Region Anti-Violence Organization, um, used to be a program of Stonewall Columbus, uh, and now they are out there doing great things on their own. Um, we've seen programs like Kaleidoscope Youth Center, mm -hmm. um, KYC, pop up. Um, and that was because of a capacity uh, that we at Stonewall could not fully step into to be able to also work with LGBTQ youth in the community and, and support their needs. Um, we've seen uh, organizations like Equitas Health uh, come about. Um, Equitas Health is an LGBTQ-centered 
healthcare organization um, that uh, merged um, from you know ARC, which is Age Resource Center Ohio, um, and uh, Columbus AIDS Task Force a couple of years ago. So expanding medical services throughout the state. Um, Equality Ohio uh, is another organization that uh, that sort of uh, spawned and came forth from the work that we've been doing over the last 40 years at Stonewall. So, you know, I think when we sit back and look at the rich history of our organization and the way that we've inspired and, and helped create um, acceptance uh, and equality uh, across the Columbus region and Franklin County, we're pretty excited. Um, you, we started off by saying, did you know uh, that Columbus is, is known as one of uh, the most LGBTQ-friendly uh, spaces in the country? Um, and that is a reality and in part to the 40-year existence of Stonewall Columbus and, and what has happened here. Um, and that uh, that rating uh, actually is is given to us by the Human Rights Campaign. Um, uh, the Human Rights Campaign is the largest LGBTQ civil rights organization in the country. Um, uh, and the Human Rights Campaign uh, launched the Municipality Equality Index uh, several years ago uh, to look at uh, cities across the country um, to understand what they were doing in terms of protections for LGBTQIA identities um, uh, in relation to diversity and equity policies, um, in relation to hiring uh, at, community, at the community level um, as well. So we have been pleased here in Columbus to have uh, 100 rating, I think, for the last four years. Um, it might be more than four years, but uh, it is a significant uh, feat to achieve. Let me make a comment that leads into a question. <laughs> The comment is I was listening to uh, the Sam Harris podcast last night, and I like Harris a lot because he's really a serious thinker. But he's talking about, you know, trans matters. And the one thing he says is, why would you not want something that has the most compassionate outlook for the person we're talking about? And I just like that, that word compassion. Mm -hmm. And that leads into all these people who don't have compassion for people they see as different. So when you're sitting in your office, do you have a, a whiteboard that has a number of groups? And do you ever say, wow, if we could just swing these three groups, life would be sweet for us. And who would be those two or three groups? That is a, a wonderful question. And, you know, I um, it's funny because I... Uh, I'm a sticky note fanatic, and so um, around my office, at home, there are sticky notes uh, that that my thoughts keep them right there, so I don't I don't forget. Um, you know, and I would say that in my mind, there probably are sticky notes uh, for <laughs> for these communities, um, but I don't know that uh, they are prioritized in any way, shape, or form, um, or if they are. Um, given different color coding uh, system in my head uh, as they are out in the real world. Um, you know, because I, I, I think as we think about equality, as we think about injustice, um, as we think about um, uh, seeing someone's humanity, I do literally see people as individuals in that process. And so that's hard, it's hard for me um, to sort of think about, hey, if we just did these three, we would be good. Um, because I know there will always be more work to do, right? Like, so, so yes, I would love to see the Equality Act pass so that LGBTQ folks across the country would feel safe and, and, and begin to feel safe, at least. Um, yes, I would love to see the, the murders of trans people stop, you know, 25 already this year alone. Um, yes, I would love to see, you know, this, le this legislation within our society stop um, that's impacting our, our, our trans youth in particular. Um, so priorities are stopping those things. But I think when it comes down to it, I, you know, it's hard to pick a group or to say a group. 
um, because everyone is an individual. And so for me, it's really figuring out how we can learn to individually respect each person um, and then move on from there. Well, that's a level of grace that accompanies your answer, I would say. So Denzel, what's the takeaway for people listening? What's the one thing that you would ask people to do to help further the cause of Stonewall Columbus? So it's a phenomenal question. Um, you know, I think uh, it goes back to uh, my notion of, of grace, um, but I'll, I'll add something additional, grace and space. Um, you know, I think uh, Stonewall Columbus, like our country, like uh, people, uh, grow and evolve and change, uh, refine in our understanding of who we are, what we're about, and who we serve. And I think if we are all uh, individual organizations held accountable appropriately, um, we work to be better and do better. And so I think uh, as an organization, uh, Stonewall Columbus is working to be better and do better. And I would ask just for the grace and space to be able to do that. Denzel, thank you for joining us today. Um, I need more people in my life with your grace and your compassion. I encourage our listeners to visit your website, stonewallcolumbus.org, and um, Learn what's on there, um, learn about the uh, LGBTQ community, and then uh, if they can, donate and support your organization. Denzel, I echo that. I really compliment you for your grace and openness. We'll be back in a few weeks. We will be talking with Jim Petro, former Attorney General of Ohio. We're going to be talking about the death penalty because there is a big push to end the death penalty. So until then, remember to lawyer up so long.